I'd like to propose a toast. Hello and welcome to Before Brunch. I'm Megan Cassidy. And I'm Cassie Delaney. And we are your pop culture, arts, celebrity, social issues podcast. I'm giddy this week. Okay. We go live on Sundays um, just before you meet the gang for brunch. And we like to talk about all the things you're going to be talking to your friends about at brunch. So we take the top stories from news, politics, pop culture, internet culture, and we try to understand them. We ask questions about them, try to understand them for our lives and yours. How are you, Cassie? We don't do preamble anymore. No, but we're I just very, like, very no preamble straight into it. It's usually, and this week, yeah, we bring to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm good, uh, as well as anyone can be. Oh, in what sense? Are you overwhelmed? Over constantly overwhelmed. How are you? I'm good. I saw a quote on Instagram during the week that said, today's overwhelm is the abundance that you manifested. Okay. Is that not good? Um, yeah, I mean, you'd want to shoot yourself in the face. Oh, <laughs> I don't remember that. wishing for this, you know? This life. This, this um, busyness. Yeah. Without the financial gain. I oh, I thought you'd get to a certain point where you, it would all pay off, do you know? I do remember wishing for busyness. I have a very stark memory of finishing a panto in 2015 and having no work. Okay. And walking past a Starbucks and a queue of people queuing up to buy a coffee on their way to work. And I couldn't afford that risk of, of buying a coffee because every euro was measured. Every, yeah. And I just remember thinking, I can't imagine having a job. I can't imagine standing in that queue, being on the way mm. to a job. At this point, I had no career at all. And I definitely manifested this this current situation, which is really busy and really stressful. And I don't... Do you regret it? <laughs> like, would you not go back to doing the panto now and walking past all the capitalists outside the Starbucks? Go home and make your coffee and just live your life make my car yeah no I no I wouldn't trade I wouldn't trade I would do what did you go to Starbucks this morning uh no I'm off coffee I'm off coffee now for the last 35 days yeah I mean it is important I think we, we touched on this last week that I do think it's important to be present in what you're doing and remember that this is the stuff you did wish for or yeah. manifest years ago yeah I certainly did want to get a career that was busy and where I had autonomy and ownership which I certainly have I yeah. just and creativity. And creativity. And we got a great response to the podcast last week about mm -hmm. the Olsen twins and product versus audience versus creativity versus trying to build a community at the side. The puppy, the dog's going to pull the curtain down, is she? Wow. Mr. Bean does a podcast. Um, we got a great response from last week's episode. Yeah. Um, people really like... Um, I think the Olsen twins always have some sort of a pull anyway, mm. just their name. But um, yeah, it was very popular. Can I ask you on your coffee for a second? We'll talk. I actually think we should do an episode on this maybe next week. Yeah. On how you, not a whole episode on how you eliminated coffee from your diet. I would do that. I know you would. Because I'm going to say something that's going to make you giddy with excitement. I think we should Breaking do habits. Breaking habits. I'd love to. I have a lot to say about breaking. So do I, because I have recently stopped drinking. 
Alcohol. Alcohol. And I can like, I'm not going to be one of those annoying people who espouses the benefits of not drinking alcohol because we all know the impacts alcohol can have on your life. Mm. But I can tell you what I have done to replace alcohol in my life and how I feel about it and how it's a habit that is sticking. Cliffhanger. Mm. Good tease. And what I will say on that is I have started drinking a lot less alcohol since I've given up coffee because good habits beget good habits yeah and the more self-care things you do for yourself the more you want to do and the less the bad stuff appeals yeah it's 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 brilliant I know you've read Atomic Habits maybe we should take a little yeah I've read Atomic Habits it's not my favorite habit book though oh right okay I really like it no um I I thought it was fine I just thought there was a lot of repetition because I think Gretchen Rubin is the real pioneer of habit formation I'm gonna read some stuff this week and we'll chat about habits next week great little teaser for next week yeah look it would have to come up at least once in a season I will just say about my coffee thing that I thought I was burned out and I had a lot of brain fog and remember I said to you I think we were recording Wait, maybe the first episode back and I was mm. like I am finding it really hard to say a full sentence yeah I'm finding it hard to find my words I'm pausing a lot I've got brain fog I did and I thought I was burnt out so I was drinking more coffee to combat that right the coffee contributes to brain fog that is for sure with me and everyone interesting can, yeah everyone has to experiment themselves with their own bodies and their own biochemistry yeah 100% I have a sensitivity to coffee and it gives me brain fog since I've given up I am now not burnt out I can handle anything that's thrown at me that's exactly how I feel about the alcohol okay I thought I was I thought I was approaching burnout or very very close to it yeah and I wasn't even drinking like I wasn't drinking significantly a few drinks every now and then and since stopping my energy is phenomenal. Isn't that so it's interesting? It's absolutely incredible, yeah. Because you think in that situation that the poison is the antidote. Always. Remember that article you sent to me? Yeah. And the f- opening line was, and it was about relationships. Yeah. You think the poison is the antidote. It's just true of everything. Absolutely everything. Certainly coffee, certainly alcohol. The tireder you are, the more you go for mm-hmm. the little drink to relax or the coffee to pump you up. And it's contributing. We have to accept that sometimes it's okay to be tired and to be actually tired and, yeah. and you know, feel that tiredness, not be scared of being tired. Mm, and not try and fight it and just to embrace it and, and look for a longer term solution than this cyclical tiredness and burnout and drinking and whatever. Yeah. Um, but we will chat about that next week. I would love to talk about that more in depth. I want to just do a little bit of a refresher on some of the habit um, the literature around habits and stuff that I've read that has been helpful. And also, here's a little teaser for you. Something totally out of the blue. And that now for something a little different. I, no, this is still still part of the teaser for next oh, week. It's the same. Something totally out of the blue that I was always very skeptical of that has really helped is hypnosis. Oh, really? Mm, so I can't wait to tell you about that. Next I, week on Before Brunch. She is the queen of teasers. There you go. Get it's it wherever you get your from podcast. The, the love <laughs> Knowing us now, we'll be like, we're on holidays again, guys. Yeah. <laughs> book club. <laughs> book club 2018. Still haven't reviewed it. Well, I still haven't read the book. We picked the wrong book. It was terrible. It was a dreadful, dreadful book. It was absolutely awful. Why don't we do book club 2022 with convenience store woman? I loved, but we've read that, yeah, haven't we? Yeah, but that gives us a head start. But did we not already do an episode about convenience? No, no, we just, we just had a conversation 
ourselves. Oh. Which, do you remember when we used to do that? Yeah. <laughs> God. Um, okay, yeah, let's kick off with Convenience Store Woman. I was only talking about it with my friend. I know, you love it, yeah. Kira O'Connor uh, during the week. Because Hi, she's, Kira. <laughs> no, well, Kira is friends with Ferg, so... Just linking that Imagine in. you're breaking the fourth wall to speak directly <laughs> I to I break Kira. the fourth wall with Ferg all the time. Because yeah. I have to make eyes with him when you do mean things to me or interrupt me or whatever. I have a buzz with Ferg where I'm like, all right. Oh, do you? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she's obsessed with supermarkets and convenience store woman is a real deep dive. She's, sorry, she's obsessed with supermarkets. She loves supermarkets like when they redesign the layout. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's into the psychology of that, the music they play. She loves that. And convenience store woman is a real deep dive into like the machinations of a supermarket and getting the product to the shelf. Okay, no, that is, that's super interesting. Well, that was a preamble. There you go now. Um, hope you all enjoyed that. We'll see you next week. Um, no, this week we're going to talk about something that is very contentious and it feeds into some some of our previous episodes on sort of cancel culture and whether we need to hold celebrities accountable for the things they say and also why we expect celebrities to have an opinion on everything. So this week... Both Bette Midler and Macy Gray came under criticism because of statements they made around um, trans people. Mm. Uh, loosely, Macy Gray's was de- was definitively about trans people in conversation with Piers Morgan, who is, as we know, the scum of the internet. And Bette Midler's was kind of an unprovoked tweet. So Macy Gray said, just because you go and change your parts doesn't make you a woman. And Midler tweeted, women of the world, we are being um, stripped of our rights, rights over our bodies, our lives and our name. They don't call us women anymore. They call us birthing people or menstruators and even people with vaginas. Don't let them erase you. Every woman on earth, every human on earth owes you. So these are also, these are obvious, very um, loaded and very difficult statements to hear Mm. in 2022, in any time, but particularly now because um, the world for women at the moment feels very uncertain, very Mm. unsafe. And what we need is a collective force and to have statements like this that are divisive is really difficult. But Part of the thing, part of the I suppose what I wanted to talk about was why it matters that they've said this and should we hold them accountable and why it's important that we if we decide that we should hold them accountable, why is that important? And um, so I wanted to say up the top that I fully believe that these statements are transphobic. Um there's a myriad of different reasons why I believe they're transphobic. Uh, it's it's I have a very sort of complex and deep feelings on these statements and these arguments in general, which are becoming more and more prolific. Um, if they follow a certain pattern of transphobia, it's a, this kind of constant idea that in denying trans people certain rights, it's it, the excuses that you're protecting another marginalized group, that being woman, that, you know, being women. Um, uh, but I think that the problem is, is that it, it presents this homogenous view of womanhood. So, you know, I would just like to say that that these we're talking, we're, we're talking about oppression here across against trans people and um, feminism and what we're, I suppose what they're trying to get at is the idea that we need a 
we need a specific type of feminism for women that needs to exclude trans women mm. because their view of feminism is that it comes down to sex which is which is just ridiculous like if you were to think of the oppression you faced as a woman that's based entirely on your biological factors of course that's not the case it's more that we've faced oppression because of our because of assumptions based on gender Mm. um and it just it really annoys me that people like derive yeah a kind of feminism down to something that's based entirely on biological sex I don't think I'm being particularly articulate here but I I think think you've really I think you've really nailed it there And I think it's really important to say that because we don't want anyone to misconstrue this episode as a debate about whether those comments were transphobic because that Mm -hmm. contributes to the problem. And this idea that a lot of very right wing people are holding on to with white knuckles that like debate is crucial and we should be able to debate these things. Exactly. We are not debating that these comments are transphobic. We we agree that they are. What we are talking about today is whether or not... um, celebrities should be held accountable and whether cancel culture is um you know a progressive way of of Mm. holding people accountable of administering consequences and I suppose more so why we expect public figures to behave in a way that can maybe teach us how to behave or or Mm. why we hold them to these standards and 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 should we? And I think we certainly should. Yeah, I think so. I mean, first of all, it's important to say that like Bette Midler and um, Macy Gray to an extent are two artists who have profited off the support of the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is, a, you know, with fame comes influence and with influence comes power. And whether they believe the views they espouse or not they have a responsibility to not spread hate Mm. and to not give license to other people to spread hate and I think that's what they did this week like in a very disappointing very upsetting way Mm. they and in a very really reductive argument Mm. um, they have said that they do not believe that trans women deserve to be treated or to participate in a feminist movement and to be included in women's spaces and to be protected in the same way that we endeavor to protect other women through the, you know, with the vehicle of of feminism. Mm. And I think that it's so reductive because first of all, to, to, I'm interested in hearing Macy Gray's experiences. I want to hear her lived experiences as a black artist, as a woman born in the sixties in America, who reached the height of her career in the 90s. We know that those spaces were not good places to be for black women, for women in the music industry, America as a whole as a black woman in in the 60s, early 70s, was not an easy place to be for her. And I think that we can learn a lot from her experience. But in what she did this week in saying that, you know, you can't change your body parts and be considered a woman, is saying that there is one homogenous experience that we've all shared as women Mm. and I think that's categorically untrue Mm. the experiences of black womanhood of white womanhood are not the same the experiences of straight womanhood and queer womanhood are not the same just like the experiences of cis womanhood and trans womanhood are not the same but that does not mean we're not all fighting the same thing which is misogyny and the patriarchy Mm. and I think that it is 
dangerous for us to look at those differences in a movement and point them out and not work together on it. And it's just, I think it's really upsetting actually, because, you know, like I said, I would like to hear from Macy Gray and her experiences, but it's hard to want to engage with the discourse with someone who seems very close-minded on the issue. And this is one of the things that was interesting. I saw someone tweet, you know, it was actually Louise McSharry who tweeted in the bin with Macy Gray, in that's Macy Gray in the bin or whatever, something to that effect. And the comments underneath it were all like, oh, she just has a different opinion to you. Is there no room for opinion? Is there no room for debate? Is there no room for this, you know? Mm. And the issue is that there is a real big difference between having a different opinion to someone when you've read the same literature or you're coming from the same understanding of an issue. When you're and you know, when you make the effort to educate yourself on the nuances or the um, trying to understand different perspectives and then you're arguing that against someone who who really doesn't seem to have done the same. Mm. That's not a necessarily different opinion. That's not an equal footing. That's, and you know, also her opinion is really, really harmful to people. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just, it's it's really difficult because I don't necessarily believe in holding people accountable to things they've said in the past. I think that there has to be space for people to change and grow and improve and learn. Yeah. But then I also do think we should hold these two statements up and say that this is not acceptable and you should no longer profit from the LGBT community. You should no longer, you know be advanced by the by our support because yeah. you do not you do you do not have an interest in understanding our lived experience exactly and that's the question of what does it mean to cancel someone why do we cancel someone and is it is it justified and in that scenario it is i it's really disappointing to hear someone like macy gray come out with something that's so reductive as you said such an oversimplification of issues and to then fall back on the pierce morgan idea of debate as being the right of every person mm. when if you look at a movement like black lives matter what you're debating is is if black lives matter mm. how could that ever be a debate but we've one rule for one thing and another for another and I think it comes down to in a scenario where it's Macy Gray or it's Bette Midler or it's JK Rowling or there was an article written in Harper's Bazaar in 2020 that was signed by JK Rowling Margaret yeah, Atwood yeah. by all of the kind of bigger more vocal um celebrities, artists, authors um, and that article was about cancel culture and the dangers of cancel culture Mm. but it really disregarded the sociopolitical context of of what these harmful comments and what these hate what this hate does um, you know beyond it it's nobody is losing their platform here. So Mm. this is my point. What is cancel culture? JK Rowling hasn't lost her platform. Yes, her Fantastic Beasts um, has been a a flop at the box office and good. We know like what we talk about every week is as we... um, the younger age groups are coming up and coming into their buying power, coming into their purchase power. They're putting their money where their mouth is and Mm. they are aligning themselves with brands and businesses that value what they do and rightfully so. So when we say Macy Gray is cancelled, where, and it's interesting, what does that mean? What's the next step? Is it a boycott? 
Can we separate the art from the artist? Do we allow people space to grow? And of course we do. Uh, What we're doing is we are reacting to these comments. So she's had her voice. We have ours. And that to me is like when I see JK Rowling say, oh, my voice is being um, squashed. My voice is being diminished. I have to have an opinion too. It's, excuse me, you have your opinion. You have your platform. You have, no one's taken the money out of your bank Mm. account. You haven't been destroyed. But it's people like Or Kelly, Harvey Weinstein, who have always felt they were above the law. And celebrities are very often not accountable for their actions mm. the way we are. They feel they're above the law. And that's what um, is, you know, this fertile ground for incredible abuses of that power. So you, J.K. Rowling has said her piece and we all agree that we don't agree with her. That's very fair. Yeah. The next step is we don't buy tickets to see your movie because the art is the artist and ever increasingly the art is well, the artist. Well, of course it, ha- it, it is because you're, you know, I've, I've often, you know, been asked as like a queer writer to write something about being queer. Mm. And my argument back to that is everything I write is from a queer perspective or through a queer lens because yeah. my whole experience is queer like Mm. my my whole way that I move through the world how I feel about myself how I build relationships with people how I understand things the fears the anxieties I have are informed by this queerness because for so long it's been something that you know was not accepted so when I write about love or I write about politics or I write about you know pop culture it's always through that lens and that compassion that I've only gained from having the lived experiences of a queer person. Yeah. So, of course, the art is the artist. The same is true for J.K. Rowling. She is a conservative white woman and her viewpoint and the lack of diversity that she must experience in her life is reflected in her art. There are very, very few LGBT characters in Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts, even though Dumbledore is gay, which is fab. You know, it, it's not... It's it's still the diversity is still so tokenistic Mm. that it's it's niche and it's a plot point rather than just being naturally integrated into the storylines and things like that. You know, it's kind of this big twist that Dumbledore and Grindelwald were lovers. So it is um, it is reflected. I don't think we I've never believed that we can separate the art from the artist. Um, And I don't think that we should either because Mm. art is so personal and, and, you know, to support um, to support art even is is to is to support the artists and to support them again, gaining a platform, gaining traction. It takes all of us to come together and say, no, we're not going to your movie and no, we're not going to buy your new album and we're not going to buy your new song because the level of. The height of their platform, the mm. level of influence they have greatly outweighs anything any of us can do as an individual. So we must all come together and, you know, like a thousand little chickens fighting one dog. It's like we all have to come together and stand up to this much bigger entity and say yeah. that we don't accept that because we don't have the individual influence. And the people that they're talking about certainly don't have mm-hmm. the influence because they have been silenced. They've been ostracized. They've been pushed to the sides. And it is it is up to us to fight there, to, to, to fight alongside them and fight with them and say that, you know, we will not accept this. And we stand, more importantly, we stand with... Um, with trans people yeah because we just don't believe it but I also think it's 
um, talking about those kind of the comments were, that we're showing on, that we're kind of popping up on Twitter all the week. Like, is there not room for debate? Is there not like, I'm I know like there isn't room not for on debate on this life and someone's because, rights yeah. exactly because human rights are human rights. You know, yeah, it's not to be debated. Yeah, if women, if trans women need to access women's spaces, they should be allowed to do that. And I actually find it quite upsetting that there is this idea that um that womanhood should exclude people when you look at feminism as a movement and what it was intended to do was to unify to fight back and to elevate the minorities mm. and to bring people up not about treating everyone you know the mm. exact same but treating everyone in respect to their differences so that everyone could have the same outcome that's what equality means. Yeah. And we are punching down on people who really need to be elevated and really need to be lift up. So I don't think there's room for debate on this. I don't no. think anyone gets to say yeah. what womanhood means or what the experiences of being a woman definitively are because they're so different for yeah. everyone. And if to cancel someone is to reduce their voice temporarily in favor of raising up a voice that hasn't been heard, surely that's for the positive. And a lot mm. of the comments after the Macy Gray um, uh, comments were unsubscribe, unfollow, don't support. And J.K. Rowling's response to that was, I'm going to buy Macy Gray's back catalogue of music because I do support her sentiment. But embedded in that then, J.K. is saying, I support Macy's music because I support her comment and that the art and the artist are inextricably linked. And if you don't like my comments, don't don't go and see my movie, which I don't think she would intend to say. Mm. But the point here around the debate element is to cancel someone um, after saying something like what Macy Gray has said. We're not trying to prevent people from making mistakes or not allowing people to make mistakes. People can make mistakes. But what we're trying to do, the act of saying unsubscribe, unsupport, unfollow is an act of definition. It's an Mm. act of defining what we believe in by examining what we don't believe in. Yeah. And holding what Macy Gray said up as something that we don't agree with in order to further clarify what we do believe. Because this is a transitionary period where we are, this is uncharted, um, path people are coming forward with their experiences that historically have not spoken out about their experiences we have so much to learn we have to shut up and listen and learn from the people who are experiencing this exactly and if if it takes someone to say something that we disagree with to clarify our viewpoint then we have to be vocal about the fact that no macy this is not what we feel and we're going to very vocally use that as the counter as the you know that's actually we believe the antithesis of that that is good for progression yeah you know so it is about administering consequences to people who probably haven't suffered too many consequences in their day-to-day life as a celebrity for their actions and for us to define what we believe in and show the people who are going through this experience that they exactly. have support and they have a voice. And the argument, I suppose, to, to oh, counterculture is not progressive and yada, 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 are generally, um, there's people saying, you know, we can't say anything anymore. The, the world has gone too PC. Like there's no room to, to say what I really feel or to do whatever. You know, you can't ask a woman out without being accused of being inappropriate. All this kind of stuff. no. 
There is no reason to go and fear being cancelled. If you are fearing being cancelled, it's likely that you think in a way or behave in a way that that won't stand up to questioning and won't stand up to examination. And if that's the way that you... If, if you fear cancel culture, there's generally a reason there. But I think yeah. it's also uh, the, the general proponents or the op- opposers of cancel culture and the people who kind of are particularly vocal, the Piers Morgans of this world saying you can't say anything anymore. Anyone who opposes the status quo are the people who benefit from it. So the people who do not want the system to change and do not want their platforms to change are the people who benefit from a conservative world and who benefit from being the only voice or the loudest voice in mm. the room. Yeah. And I think to fear cancellation, uh, it's it's to have a very fixed mindset that mm. your beliefs are your beliefs. And if you get cancelled for those beliefs, it means X, Y, Z, your life is ruined. Mm. Hashtag Cassie is over. Hashtag. And that that's the end. And I think a lot of like the Chrissy Teagans would have seen it as the end and people um, perceive cancel culture as the end. But it's, if you know that you've got a lot to learn, mm. then you've got nothing to fear. You can exactly you can you're coming from a good place. You're open. You want to learn. You want to hear from people. You want to hear experiences. You're unlikely to say something very reductive or of a limited mindset that excludes anyone. But if you do accidentally turn around and say, do you know what? I didn't have the knowledge. Ex- the knowledge. Thank you for letting yeah. me know that. And I'm really sorry and I and not a fake mealy mouthed Macy Gray apology or yeah. Bette Midler. They've both come out and apologized because obviously their PR teams have been like, no, you've that. got you've got movies and music to promote. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like if you exactly that, if you are there shouldn't be you shouldn't fear having space to have discourse and understand issues and have conversations with people. But you always have to take your lead from the people who have lived experiences. Yeah. And who are. Um, actually going through the thing you're quote unquote debating mm. um, facts actual science actual reports literature are it's really important to arm yourself with that kind of knowledge as well because you know uh, so so much of even Bette Midler's tweet was based off the idea that they're raising the word woman and we can't call ourselves women anymore mm. and what that derived from was you know it it was a basically um Planet, uh, planned Parenthood had removed the word woman from the homepage um, in favor of language that was more inclusive. Yeah. Um, so anyone who was who was pregnant, which like we know can for a myriad of different reasons can involve loads of different people who identify in loads of different genders. Yeah. You know, and I think it's also it's also really important like recently the Joe Duffy, the Liveline debate, which I know we touched on previously, um, that was a conversation that really didn't have an understanding of the differentiation between sex and gender. And I think if you're going to enter into any sort of conversation around feminism, women's rights, trans rights, mm. any of that kind of stuff, gender studies, you really need to to take the time to understand the distinction between sex and gender because otherwise, yeah. I'm sorry, get out of the room. It'd be like me walking in and trying to debate the Premier League. Like, yeah. I'm not going to do that. And that is like one of the really most toxic cesspits of debate because it's actually taking an issue that people know is loaded, people know is mm. emotional and using it because they know how polarizing it is to drive volumes and traffic and listenership. And even yesterday, 
Liveline had a piece, a woman came on to say, you know, female presenters shouldn't stand with their legs apart. And we know that, you know, this call would have been screened and it would have been let on air because they know they're going to get a reaction. Mm. And at the expense of of who? At the expense of, again, women who are having to sit like the Sarah McInerney's of the world who are, you know, online scraping, breaking news, getting ready for a show that night and then have to hear about their stance like yeah we can de-platform voices that we don't agree with completely that, that because plat- the platforms have been democratized now everyone has a platform it's not linear it's not you know a megaphone anymore we all have platforms a facebook unfriend we all did it about three years ago we realized i don't have to be friends with everyone I've who's added met. me on facebook yeah yeah i can curate my social experience that's my right and I think it was like 2018 or 2019, everyone went on and did a purge. Mm. And, you know, you're deplatforming the voices that you don't want to hear from because anymore. They, yeah, because it's not just a case of like, I, you know, blinkers on and I don't want to hear from people I disagree with. No. It's I don't want to engage in conversation with people who are have views that I find harmful to my existence or threaten my identity or I find offensive to people in my life you know it's different I'm I'm I will sit down and have an engaged conversation with someone when I think there's something to learn and I do I I read a lot about this kind of uh, the trans radical um, sorry the trans exclusionary radical feminism because I wanted to understand where it came from and I wanted to understand what their educated I suppose anchor points were that they can read and understand this and then go off and still have what I find to be very oppressive views and I think you know it um it's it's interesting I don't agree with it but I can see how someone would land at some of the conclusions that people have done because understanding how people consume media and how people consume messages I can just understand Mm. why that would happen and why people would land at a certain point even if it's not one that I agree with um but I think the most important thing after this week is to really just take things back to the core remember what we're here to do as feminists as uh, and you know womanhood obviously isn't a hive mind but like as women and that is to support each other to stand with each other to bring a togetherness against a much <coughs> to bring it to bring a togetherness to fight against a much larger issue and that is misogyny and trans misogyny um, and the, the viewpoints that we saw represented by Macy Gray and by Bette Midler this week were just misogyny and misogyny and trans misogyny are much bigger beasts than you may think so mm. don't think because something's trending about cancelling Macy Gray that that movement has any chance of dwarfing the misogyny that we live in no. all day, every day. There is no fight. Yeah. So we really don't have to worry about those misogynistic voices. There's no fight right now. No. Like we have to back what we believe in in that case. We don't need to give Pierce Morgan a platform. And actually no. his listenership has plum his viewership has plummeted. Yeah. Because he's just no one stands for him anymore. I think it's important. It's also when criticizing Macy Gray and Bette Midler for their comments, it's important to remember that everyone has grown up in a very misogynistic and patriarchal society where our views are often through the lens of the world has been designed by men. I'm reading um, Invisible Women at the moment. I could not recommend it more. It's fantastic. Lisa Tadeo. Caroline um, Criado Perez. Okay. Invisible Women. And it's about the data gap between men and women. And it's about how the whole, I, it's, I mean, I know I sound like a psychopath, like I hate men and yada, yada, yada. I don't hate men. I just 
want to see the world be more I just want to see more parity in the world yeah so this book is all about the the gaps that have existed in designing the world for men and women the data gap um specifically and how the services and the businesses and everything that we access have been either designed by men or based designed based on statistics that pertain to men anyway invisible women highly recommend we'll do that for book club after i feel you wrapping up but i just want to make one more no i know you do but i'm conscious of your time i do need to get a dress back to a shop but i do just want to say no i love when you're in this mood because i could sit and chat about this now for hours megan i just feel the wind down happening i have one more point about me giving up coffee no i'm only joking (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just on habits again. <laughs> just just back to that. I just do want to circle back. No, I will say, right, last week we spoke about the Olsen twins as a study in celebrity and kind of the c- counter celebrity culture, yeah. maybe. Julia Fox, right? Oh, right. <laughs> okay. She, she does nail it, okay? Yeah. And she is a study in modern celebrity, I think now more than anyone else because Mm. her whole celebrity, her art is being a celebrity, talking about being a celebrity and what it means to be a celebrity. Um, She, before she found all this fame and fortune, used to regularly comment on Instagram posts and just give her two cents Mm -hmm. and then move on as, as we all do. And she made a mistake on a case about there was an OnlyFans model who had murdered her boyfriend. And without reading the story, without looking into it any further, uh, Julia wrote Sounds Like Self-Defense and moved on. Yeah. Then it, She's just doing her scroll, throwing in her two cents. Throwing in her two cents. Trying and to get that on. engagement up. Yeah. Not taking into account, I'm a celebrity now. I have a platform. I have responsibility. People yeah. look to me to, to navigate how to be. Yeah. And that is the case. We do look to our celebrities. That's what this podcast is all about. How pop culture informs our value systems. And how it all does. It informs everything. It informs everything. So she didn't realize the responsibility she had. And it turned out that this woman had been incredibly abusive to her boyfriend. There was also a race issue thrown in there because he was a black man. So people mm. presumed that she presumed that it was self-defense because he was um, black, whereas she hadn't seen pictures of them she knew had no information and she came out on her podcast and said wow it's really important as a celebrity that you know that point where things have changed and you can't say whatever you want to say anymore and there is an accountability and a responsibility to do your research before you comment yeah and I think that's the best way to handle these scenarios she was very you know there was a huge outcry when she made the comment she came out and said I am so it was a very genuine apology I'm yeah. really sorry I didn't read the story that's not good enough I now have a platform people are looking at what I do and I'm not going to make I'm going to try not to make those mistakes anymore yeah. and I think that's what it's all about it's acknowledging if the people give you a platform what are you doing it for mm. money and Julia Fox has said that also Absolutely. I'm doing this for money you're doing it for money then be prepared for people to unsubscribe unsupport unfollow exactly when you mess up okay very good you've anything else to say on the Olsen twins or any of our previous episodes from this season no no that's me for today Cassie have well to get done. this dress out to no the, very to good I enjoyed that now Megan uh thank you as always thank you as always and thank you for listening we will see you next week where we'll talk about shock horror habits and breaking yeah okay thanks thanks